I was just with uh, about 30 of our young people in Corvallis, Oregon this weekend, and you need to know it was amazing. Uh, God's presence was there. It was amazing for our young people to be able to connect with a whole bunch of other folk uh, from Reno and uh, Las Vegas and L.A. and Phoenix and Portland and Eugene, uh, Seattle, Calgary, just uh, all kind of West Coast, Every Nation Churches, San Francisco, Hawaii. And uh, it was a fantastic time of worshiping God, hearing really incredible, uh, incredible messages and experiencing that sense of community and, and mission together. It's, it was an amazing time. So we left at 6 a.m. just to be with you. Isn't that special? It is so special. Yeah. Um, well, we're continuing our series in, uh, in Isaiah. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 6. If you have uh, one of these things called the Bible, you can, uh, you can churn there or uh, go on your phone or something. Uh, it'll also be on the screen in just a moment. Have you ever, uh, have you ever met anyone famous? I've never met anybody famous. Uh, we saw Gordie Howe. In the, for those of you who are into high, we saw Gordie Howe in the airport once, kind of over there, shorter than I thought. Um, but yeah, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, we saw Mickey Mouse, guys. You can touch me later, whichever one he was. Um, I don't know if you've ever met anybody famous. Have you seen, I don't know if you've seen uh, on TV, when the Beatles first came, I think it was the Ed Sullivan show or something, when they first came over to uh, America, and uh, you just see, you know, young girls fainting just at the sight of uh, John or Ringo or whatever they were. Uh, I've always wondered what it would be like to meet somebody famous. What would it be like to meet God? You ever thought about this? What are you going to do? What's it going to be like when you die? I hate to break it to you. You're going to die. Uh, and, and you're, you're going to die, and you're going to be in front of God. What's that going to be like? Where you're going to see the living God face to face. I, I try to go through my head. What's that going to look like? What's he going to do? Don't you wonder what he's going to do? I doubt it's going to be a fist pump. I, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be one of those. But like, what is he going to do? And what are you going to do when you see him? How, how's that going to How's that going to happen? Well, Isaiah chapter 6 describes Isaiah meeting God. And it describes what God did, how Isaiah responded. And I think that we're going to have some insight into what it means to actually see God and know him and how to relate to him. Uh, let me pray and then we'll look at, uh, we'll read this verse out together. Actually, let's read it out and then I'll pray. 
uh, start, oh, I gotta click this. This is a new thing, you guys. No, it's not new. Vic, we were so close. It's not working. I have it turned on. I'm not stupid. And no, I'm joking. Uh, you did that, though, didn't you? Yeah. It's, just, it's like when you're riding a bike when you're first learning. I'm riding, and your parents are holding the back. That's what that was like. Um, so uh, this is what it says in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died. So it begins by saying that one king died. And then now listen to the next phrase. I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne. The earthly king died, and now comes the real king. Seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train, uh, some translations say the hem, the hem of his robe filled the temple. Isn't that remarkable? The hem of his robe fills the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Smoke is a sign of the presence of God. Woe to me, I cried. So that was God's introduction. It wasn't yo dude. This was his introduction to presenting himself to Isaiah. And this is how Isaiah now responds to meeting God. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. That's God's response to Isaiah. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. What a shocking mandate to be given as your life purpose. Make people thick and callous to me, the living God. Otherwise, in other words, if they don't take offense, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, Lord? It gets worse. And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will, be, it will again be laid waste. Man, it just gets worse. But as the terebinth and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Interesting. All right. So, point number one, what is God like? Well, the word that describes him here is holy. 
That word holy is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. It's the word that most clearly describes. Would you like me to try again? Would it be fun for you? Oh, I pressed. Ah, cool. I have new instructions. Um, uh, 800 times the word holy is mentioned. Now, what is the word holy? Holy simply means unique or uh, unlike anything else. Maybe a word that we could use would be unfamiliar. So I don't know if you've ever seen anything, because you probably, I don't know if you remember, when you see something for the first time, and what we typically try to do when we see something for the first time is we try to put it into a category. We go, oh, that's a, a new animal, or, you know, that's this, or that's this kind of experience. Oh, I kind of know something like that. If you were to see God, you would say, you are holy. There's, that's, there's nothing that could compare. There's no analogy or meta. You are thoroughly unique. There's, it's, uh, there's no words. I can't, I can't categorize you. You're in a realm. You're a person that is entirely distinct and unique from anything else, from all of your creation. The two words that give us a glimpse of what this holy, entirely other God is like is he is seated on a throne. So the first introduction that Isaiah has to who God is is the essence of all power. Have you ever... Uh, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's a metaphor, and so it's just, it's just thoroughly inadequate. But have you ever um, been really, really close to a firework finale, and you can feel, you can feel the explosions in your chest? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's so strong, you can, it, you can feel it. You're, you've gotten close to some power, and that power physically shakes you. Now, imagine seeing the source of all power, and they're right in front of you. It's incredible. How it... How would you, well, we know how he responded. But here's what's interesting. It says that he was seated on a throne. Now, typically, where are thrones? Thrones are in, help me now, palaces. They're in palaces. This throne is not in a palace. It's in the temple. And the train of his robe filled the temple. So you have this Almighty being who is seated in a temple. Now, what does the temple represent? The temple represents the place where God and man unite. So, you don't have this deity who's way, way back, up in the stars, 
you know, blazing light, far, far removed from humanity. Not at all. You have this essence of power coming into a place where he can dwell and be intimate with us. So you have, in one moment, a throne and a temple that signify the sovereignty and lordship of God and his salvation and uh, intimacy and closeness and pure love toward humanity, all in two words. A throne and a temple. And, okay. If you were to meet the essence of love and the essence of power... It would, you would behave as we see in, uh, in Isaiah's response. Let me, uh, is it going to work? No, it's not working. Oh, it worked. Did you do it again? Oh, good, I did it that time. <laughs> I can ride the bike. <clears throat> it says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And this idea of unclean lips meaning, meaning the things that come out of my mouth reveal the wickedness of my heart. Now, I don't know how to say this, but if you've not, if you've never felt guilty and ashamed before God, you've not met him. Debbie and I went to a, a conference a few weeks ago, I, I think I told you about it, called the Father Heart of God. It was a fantastic um, retreat. And the, uh, what we spent lots of time doing was resting in the presence of God, just resting in his presence, uh, hearing about his love, his kindness, his generosity. And it was really, really sweet. What's more profound is that God that we're able to rest in and come close to and receive as a father is the Lord God Almighty. He's not just some dude who's kind and has nothing better to do. It's, he's the living God. And if we were to see him, we would fall on our faces and if we could have words, cry out for mercy. It's important as we talk about the intimacy of God and how he's our heavenly father, that it's framed in the context of who this father really is. And I'm often struck by my own brazenness and my own irreverence to who I have been granted the privilege to be in his presence. It's like, yeah, it's God. I, I get that. But when Isaiah saw God, he goes, oh, no. I mean, I knew I did a few wrong things, but I am ruined. 
I, I can't stand here. I've seen God. And nobody of my state can see God and live. I have a hunch that one of the reasons why we struggle with sin and walking in righteousness is we've really not caught a glimpse of this God. I think, that that, I think that's true. I think it would be true that we wouldn't just say, ah, God, sorry, I, I messed up again. I'm sorry. I, I promise you, I'm going to try harder next time. I really am. Oh, and your forgiveness? Thanks. Really. No, really, really. I, I, really, I really, really appreciate it. We would be desperate. Desperate. And so when we pray for the presence of God, and when Paul says that he senses, as I did as well, the presence of God here, this is the God by his spirit who's come to visit us. That's shocking. Shocking. I'm not saying that God wants to sustain our guilt and shame, but I am saying if we met God, it would change us, and we wouldn't be nearly as flippant with our behavior as we might be now. So what's God's response to his guilt and his shame? God's response is, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So he's, he's undone. He's at the end of himself. He's collapsed before God. And God sends one of his angels to touch his mouth and to make him clean. You do not have a God who is almighty and all-powerful, and we fall down in guilt and shame, and he doesn't say, uh-huh, that's right. You just, you should, the, his response is to come and touch and heal and restore. Not to say, you better believe I'm almighty. You better believe that you should behave that way. We have a God who is, who is most deserving of being proud, most deserving of being above us and of controlling, but his first response to, the re to our revelation of how different he is from us is to come and to bring that atonement and healing and forgiveness towards us. That is a remarkable thought. Who does that? And then he doesn't just remove his guilt. He removes Isaiah's shame. You've heard us talk in our church uh, before Christmas and I, a little bit afterwards that, that our, guilt is, uh, our guilt is removed by God forgiving what we've done wrong, but our shame is removed by actually living in a new way. And so uh, God provides a way for Isaiah's shame to be removed in the form of an invitation. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I didn't do that. Vic, this is your deal. Go and click things. 
Now, here's what's, uh, here's what's interesting. God, this almighty God, is seeking relationship with us. We know that to be true because he brought his throne into the temple, the place to connect with us. And then he forgives our sin, removes our guilt so that we can be in his presence. But he doesn't finish his relationship with us merely with an act of forgiveness. He completes our relationship with us by an invitation into his mission and his purposes, thereby removing our shame as well as our guilt and also completing our relationship with God. Now, I find this understanding of relationship to be very, very helpful. If we want intimacy with God, there are two things that are going to help that become a reality. The first thing is we need to experience his unconditional love and acceptance. We need that. We just we need to know that he does what we can't do for ourselves and he forgives our sin and draws us near to him. But that relationship is not complete until we respond to the invitation who will go for us. Now our relationship is complete. Now, here's how I think we typically think of Christianity. Uh, Jesus wants a relationship with us, and so he comes down, he forgives our sins, and he restores us in relationship. He goes, are we in relationship? Yes, great. Now I want to go use you for my mission. The relationship part's done, you've been forgiven, and now I need you to go do some stuff for me. You, you have a relationship, but you need to go do stuff. I don't think this is at all what's going on. I think the relationship is complete as we work with the Father and be about his business. I am, um, uh, so those of you will know, I, my father died when I was in grade 11, I believe. He was sick for a good 10 or so years before that. And... Uh, uh, we had a family business. And that family business was a mobile home park. J. Lee Mobile Home Park on Alberni Highway in Port Alberni. And uh, my job was, I, I think I cut, I think I had 27 lawns to cut every week and uh, do the repairs and, and clean things up because my, my dad is not able to do anything. Now, working in the family business solidified my identity as a son in my family. Uh, uh, if you come over to our house, uh, we're going to serve you. But if you're a son or daughter, you're going to do the dishes. And that solidifies your identity as a son or a daughter in this home. You would, you would work together. And when the father wants to be with us, he says, come with me in the family business. Now, 
I know that this is difficult for us to grab hold of because we live in a different society than what was going on back then. But uh, if, if, if your dad uh, herded sheep, guess what you're going to do? If, if they were a, a fisherman, guess what you're going to do? I mean, there's no discerning the calling of God. It was discerned for you by your father. This is, I gave birth to you because I need help with these fish. I mean, it wasn't, you know. And, uh, but here's the thing. What if our experience of feeling distant from our father is not because we haven't received his forgiveness. It's not because he hasn't drawn us close to himself. It's because we haven't been about our father's business. And that our identity and sonship and intimacy with God would be complete, not simply by sitting on his lap, but by going out and catching fish. Going out and shepherding the flock. And now... I am with my father, and I, I, am, a, I am a son. This is, this is my work. This is, this is what my family does. I, um, I think about this, it's just obvious, it's more obvious with my son Jonathan, but it's obvious with all my kids. Um, my family, I mean, I'm sorry because they're younger than you and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but my family has owned the call to serve this church. My family has. And, uh, and, and when we sit around talking, we talk about the family business. That's what we do at dinner. We talk about the family business talk about you and uh and how great you are and what we can do to better serve you and and this isn't going very well but maybe we could try this and and when i get together with my son jonathan who's also on staff is what we talk about and in that moment i'm not taking off my father hat and putting on my pastor hat and talking to an employee i'm talking to my son doing the family business and so this can be helpful for you. This is off the topic of relationship with God. But if you feel estranged from this house, get involved in the family business. And you'll feel so connected, you'll feel like a son or daughter in this house, as much as my kids do. The, the issue is not that you haven't been loved enough. It might be an issue. Please tell me that. I'd love to make that better. But it might also be that you've not been about the business of this family. And so you're just feeling estranged. So roll up your sleeves and you'll feel like a son or daughter. We retreat from sonship if we reject either the acceptance and forgiveness of God or the mission and purpose of God. So what is God's mission? Now this is where it gets really, really challenging. It says, make the heart of this people calloused. Wow. That's your job description. Make people hard-hearted. Now, I have struggled over this verse, which is quoted twice in the New Testament. I have struggled over this verse, I'm not exaggerating, for decades. And my view of this verse has always been, 
that there's two groups of people in the world. There's the group of people that God hardens their heart, and there's the group of people that God uh, softens their heart. And I have struggled with God being the kind of God who would kind of uh, ordain before the beginning of time a group of people that he would go, you get the hard hearts. You get the, you get the good hearts. So I'm sitting in a, in a seminar on Isaiah and uh, Tim Mackey, if you want to look at super cool videos that summarize parts of the Bible, go to the Bible Project online. They're YouTubes. They're just uh, short little videos that summarize. You should look at the one on Isaiah. It's, it's a two-part one. That they're like five or seven minutes each. They're really, really short. Really, really well done. Tim Mackey is one of them who authors these. He's a skateboarder with a PhD in Old Testament theology. He's a great guy. And... Uh, and here's what he said that it answered a question that I'd had for so many years. And here's what he said. He says, the same message is given to everybody, but there are two different responses to that same message. To one, this message is life-giving. To another, it's a cause of death and alienation. This is uh, supported in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. It says, For we are, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ, which is a shocking thought, that we're aroma of Christ to, to the Father. Wow. Among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. Here's what's true about the message that you and I are called to be ambassadors of, to be carriers of. This is the, the job description. This is the family business. Is that we go out and we tell people a message that is going to sound like death to some people and it's going to sound like the best news that has ever been told to a group of others. The same message. So, if I, uh, if I say to Paul... Paul's got a hard heart. I don't know if you know this about Paul, but he really does. And if I say to Paul, uh, Paul, uh, Jesus forgives you. And Paul says, he forgives me? I don't need his forgiveness. What do you think I am? Some kind of pity project that I need somebody to forgive me? No, I'm a man that carves my own destiny. I don't answer to anybody, and I don't need anybody's forgiveness. How dare you say to me, I need to be forgiven? And then to another person, Jesus forgives you, and they break down and cry. Same words, same heart, same message. To one, we say, Jesus is sovereign Lord. And they say, I don't think so. You think you're so great? You haven't dealt with me yet. I'll show you great. And to others, they bow their knee in gratitude that there is a Lord who would now lead them and guide them because they desperately know they're lost without his leadership and power. 
I do not believe that God is going through the world cursing one half and blessing the other. I believe he's giving the same message to all people at all time. I am on the throne willing to rule your life. And I'm in the temple longing to draw near to you and have a personal relationship with you. And for some, that brings a curse and death. To others, it's everlasting life. Isn't that great? Now, here's a problem with that. That's a hard business to be a part of. Because we don't know who's going to have those words be life-giving and who's going to resent us for it. We don't know. And so here's the final point. It's God's promise. The holy seed will be the stump in the desolate land. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the word desolate in there because that's what's talked about in the, uh, in the few verses before. And here's the point. So there's going to be some people who are not going to receive this. And um, the way that this people is going to be cursed is not by you bringing condemnation to them. It's by you overwhelming them with the good news of the gospel. But that good news that falls on a hard heart is going to make their heart harder and harder and harder. And so it will be revealed what's really going on inside of them. They've cursed themselves in that sense. Are you following me on this? So how do we survive in this? That we preach a gospel that for some people is just bad news. If our identity, if our success in the family business is saved souls, people responding to our message, we're going to be really discouraged. It's going to be a hard life. But our identity, and, I, and, and God makes it very clear to Isaiah, your identity is not in their responsiveness to the message that I give you. Your identity, your hope, is in a God whose throne and temple will prevail. And when my security, when my identity is, I believe in a God whose throne is above all and whose temple is here, I am able to, with great joy, preach the message of the gospel. And whether people respond or they don't respond, I've been faithful. And I've been about my father's work. And I have established his throne and his temple more clearly on earth by participating in what he has done. And so my encouragement to us today is to meet God. To meet him on his throne and in his temple. Please, my friends, if there is an issue in your life, if there is a struggle that you're going through, if there's loneliness or disillusionment, if there's 
addiction and confusion, if you feel as though your life is meaningless, worship a God who is on the throne and in the temple. And as you worship that God and you receive that forgiveness in the temple and you receive that calling from the throne, your life begins to organize itself in a way that reflects his peace and joy. Please, trace your problems back to the throne and the temple. Don't trace them back to a, a, a psychological disorder. Don't trace them back to a bad family. Don't trace them back to your own inabilities. We all know that we're not able. We all know that. Trace them back to say, Oh, Father, let me see you on the throne. Oh, Father, thank you that you are in the temple. Father, that is who you are. That is who I worship in this moment. When I don't feel any success, when things are not going well, when I'm trying to do what you call me to do at work, and I just get spat on. My identity is that you are on the throne, and your temple, your glory fills the whole earth. And so I worship you, and in that place, I find peace. Whether people respond well to me, whether my life is going well, whether all the ducks are lining up, whether my vision for what my life was supposed to be, whether that's working out or not, it doesn't matter. You are on the throne and you are in the temple. And that is enough for me to orient my life in order to find life and peace and joy. I need to know those two things. Without those two things, I will go crazy. And to the degree that I am now crazy is the degree to which I don't understand those two things. So please, would you give me a deeper revelation of your throne and of your temple? And as you do, I will be conformed to the image of God and find the life and peace and joy that I've longed for by being with you. We don't have a team, but Colin, would you please come up? Could we please stand? <clears throat> Father, by your grace, would you please give us the mercy to connect our life to your throne in your temple? Please, God, would you help us Connect the dots so that the answer to our life problems would not be to try harder and to get better, but our answer would always be to see you more clearly in whatever area of our life is discouraging and unfruitful, just like Isaiah's ministry appeared to be to the Israelites. And thank you that your throne and your temple is enough for us to continue in hope and to, and, to, and to find our solace in being your sons and daughters. Thank you that you have forgiven our sins. Thank you that you have given us the family business. And thank you that we will continue on to be faithful in that work as we acknowledge and see 
who you truly are. I ask that even in this time, as we might be prayed for, as we take communion, as we worship in song, that you would reveal your glory. You said that your glory is in the whole earth. Father, help us see your glory tonight, that our life would be right-oriented in light of you. Let's worship him. There is communion here. If you would like prayer, please, let's worship him together.